I think we are at the point in the off season when you have the teams that are hyper meticulous, that can't make really strong decisions and look at players based on value and bargain versus I want that guy, right? We always talk about the Braves. I want that guy. I get that guy. I'm not worried about a million bucks or two, right? Even the Cardinals are like that, whether they make the right decision or not. They mm. often make their decisions early in the offseason. They do. They do. But they, they're also not they're not going to go out and spend $700 million on Shohei either. Of course. I'm just saying that you get to this point in the offseason and you're dealing with, in my mind, the teams that just look at a computer and say, this player is worth this in our system. So... Let's bring in the Athletics Evan Drellick right now. I'll throw the they, but they don't they, conspiracy theory. Well, out. we'll talk to Evan about. But they yeah. don't. Wow. It's like okay, so that's an unbelievable must. That is incredible. <laughs> it stopped me I'm in my tracks. Evan but in a minute. It's like okay, I know Scott didn't watch the football games last night. Right? Absolutely did. Teams are like super heavy analytic, right? <laughs> well, Dan Campbell should have kicked two field goals. They might be going to the that's Super Bowl. That's not his right style, now. AJ. I understand that, but there's time point in time where you got to change your style in the middle of it. Well, that seems to apply to many teams. Like Evan Drillard changed that face with that mustache. I don't know what he's thinking. Evan, no, I like it. I think it's great. It really surprised me. Evan, um, first off, before we get into everything else, do you know what I'm saying? So you get to this point in the offseason, there's teams like the Cubs that have been just kind of hanging around and saying, oh, we're looking for the best values. Well, now is a time when they can do that. So I think for some free agents, you're looking at teams now that say, this is the number we have you at. If we can get you at this number or less, we'll sign you. If not... We move on because that's what our algorithm says. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think teams also know that at this point in the offseason, when we're getting this close to spring training, this is when players, I mean, you guys can tell me if I'm wrong, you start to feel it. You want a deal before spring training. And so I, I think the power is in the team that's saying, yeah, look, this, this is what the numbers say for us. And, and if, if you want to be signed up now, and then you know, more power to the guy who can stand there and say, no, I'm worth more, and and maybe waits until he can't wait any longer. Hey, one for you recently also on a team that you've covered extensively in the past. Were you surprised that Jim Crane made the move for a Josh Hader to go out of character? I thought it was awesome and a good sign for them when, you know, they've definitely taken a hit with their prospects and getting punished, obviously, for the sign-stealing scandal. You, you wrote a great book about them. So this is not normal for Jim Crane, right? Yeah, Jim Crane doesn't like to spend in free agency, but you know it, it's still the total dollars are, are not that crazy. You know, t- taking the the question position out of it, and you got to remember the the Jim Crane Astros now are running the show differently than they did under Jeff Luno. You know, Jim Crane seems to be much more hands on. I think Dana Brown's got a, a different philosophy than Jeff Luno had, and they're making decisions that I don't think the prior administration would have made, um, but. I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. There could be moments where, where maybe they do make a decision that uh, goes against the numbers in a way that, that makes you scratch your head. But um, yeah, if Jeff Luno had done that, I would have been pretty stunned. Jeff Luno's not there anymore. I don't think the Astros are the same Astros. They're, they're, they're not our Astros of, of yesteryear. Well, it's all your fault, Evan. I mean, you you're welcome, AJ. Yeah, you wrote that. First of all, you wrote that book, and I, you know, I was, I remember I had it in my backpack, and I'd fly to Houston to do a game, and I'd just take it out and set it like next to me, <laughs> and you'd get some good looks, man. People that, you know, I'm on the plane to Houston, they all have their Astros gear on, and I just right. hold the book up, and I'd look over and see what people, and people were like, Did you really do that? Oh, it was so funny. Because I had it in my backpack <laughs> after I'd finished reading it. So I'd literally just take it out, and I just put it like, like this where people could see it. 
And I tell you what, you get some funny looks from those Astros fans. They, they love like, me in Houston, baby. They, they're, I, I, they're big I can fans only imagine. <clears throat> I can only imagine. So you, you recently wrote another article about the age thing in the Dominican. I remember playing guys would get like to spring training and we'd have like six birthdays for them because they'd go from like 24 to like 30. And it was like every day we'd have a new birthday for them. We'd bring a new cake to them like, hey, 25, 26. Like, right. But I thought they cleaned it up, especially after 9-11. I remember there was a big deal because uh, they started – bearing down on people's passport ages and all this. And I know going to Canada, a couple of guys got caught because after September 11th. So what's the new strategy? Because I remember guys were like taking dead relatives names and, and they would buy names off people and stuff. So what's the new strategy? Because And how are they getting away with this? It's funny. We were talking about the Astros and, and cheating because there, there is a through line here, which is that if in any world where people think they, they have a shot at making a lot of money, getting ahead, getting some sort of advantage, they're, they're going to take that shot. And, you know, the, the more money that goes in the international market and, and, and these early deals keep cropping up, well, there's incentive to have a young player look as young as possible. And so there are going to be people who find ways to take advantage of that. Um, you know, exactly how they're doing it, we heard a lot of different things. You know, one person speculated that um, they, they found several of these uh, uh, false IDs were tied to perhaps one geographic area or that they repeated use of one hospital name or one school name. But, but that's not a confirmed thing at this point. Paperwork in the Dominican Republic uh, you know, is spottier as a generality than the United States. Someone might not have a birth certificate um, at the time they're born. They might get the birth certificate later in life, at which point you know, who's, who's verifying that that age is uh, really what it is. Um, uh, players of Haitian descent paperwork in Haiti is also spotty and perhaps even spottier than in the Dominican Republic. So it, it's a, it is a difficult environment for enforcement, but you also have people who, who got smart and, and uh, you know, might've figured out a little bit of what in, investigators at MLB were looking for and, and tried to beat the system and might've beaten the system uh, for a time. So it, it's a mess down there. It has always been a mess in, in a lot of ways, but you know, talking to the executives, Ken Rosenthal and I talked to and, uh, player agents and, and people who are dealing with this world right now, it's pretty chaotic. And I think people need to understand they're doing this <clears throat> in your article, what you wrote to 12, 13, 14 year old young men. And I, I trying to make them, I guess, younger. Uh, that, that would be the biggest thing. So you wrote that Nathaniel Perez Nero. I didn't want to say it wrong, but he said he, he reported that over 50 cases has been, have, have been, you know, shot down in the past couple years here. I mean, what is MLB going to do about this? I mean, I feel like they got to do another thing to stop this, no? Yeah, it, it's not clear to me if they're going to now step up their enforcement or, or what the, the next step is. That's probably the follow-up story we have to work on here. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the reporting of the 50 names uh, from Diario Libre, uh, it, all these names that, that are circulating around, and we didn't publish any names, the, the news of these deals – gets around the industry in WhatsApp chats, various group texts. There is no official register of early deals because early deals aren't supposed to happen, and yet they happen all the time, meaning you're not supposed to be striking a deal with anybody below 16. But you do have kids who are, who are saying, I'm going to sign with X team four years from now, three years from now, for millions of dollars. Uh, and the only way people know about that is through these WhatsApp groups and, and through these text messages. So it's, it's word of mouth. It's kind of a rumor-based world, and, and we had to go to uh, uh, different people who actually were closer to the situation to be able to publish uh, what we were able to publish. But it's, you know, 
you're, you're trying to track something that shouldn't exist in the first place. It, it's really a, a difficult thing. But I, I don't think MLB has a choice but to do more, except if you want to be the cynic and say, well, MLB really wants a draft. And so the more chaos that's down there serves MLB's interests. Uh, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, is that why you grew out the mustache? So you could go undercover down there? <laughs> you, know, you know, I'm I'm 36. I'm just I'm trying new things. Are man. we sure? Let it ride. You know. Let's Are we sure? <laughs> Looking closer to 40 with that mustache, you might want to. <laughs> we might have to. No, he's got the Tom Selleck. On. Do a quick check. I don't know. Oh my God. Down there. Tom, Tom Selleck. Selleck. Well, Tom Selleck is a big big pull, but I mean that's a that's a stretch. But it's okay. He, he was more talented got... at baseball. Also great. He was Mr. Baseball. Let's not forget. True. That's true. Uh, so <laughs> besides the mustache, <laughs> I, I mean, listen. I know when I was playing, I'm not going to name the team because they already got in trouble for doing some stuff. But there was yeah. kids that were already saying, we're going to sign this kid and that kid. And, you know, and it was already like a done deal. And they were not 16 years old. And the international signing period had not happened yet. So right. how do they stop this? Because there's there's what, what the agents, they have a name. What are the agents' names? They have like a name down there where they – they Buscones. like get these Buscones. Buscones. They get the kids, yep. and they they they're basically like they and they push them towards certain teams, right? The teams almost like pay them to make sure. Oh, we'll we'll sign a deal with you, and this is like when they're 13, 14. Two years from now, we'll give you five hundred grand as long as you promise. And then the and then the teams and the Buscones basically hide these kids out, like they literally like hide them, so the other teams can't get to them. It's it's a crazy world of down there when they when it comes to like especially kids that are going to get a bunch of money. Yeah, and a draft would fix virtually all of this. If you, if you, you do work for the league now. You work for the league Well, <laughs> let me explain the issue. The issue is MLB uh, wants a draft and the dollars associated with that draft to be nowhere close to what the U.S. draft is like. And so it, this all comes back to money, right? If, if it didn't have anything to do with money, you would have a draft immediately. But – the offer that MLB, MLB keeps making to the union and what the union wants, it's not lining up um, it, because it, you know, there are other forms of corruption down there. It is not simply the early deals. Yes, the draft will eliminate the early deals. Well, what eliminates the uh, ridiculous 50%, 40% um, cut that a, a trainer down in the Dominican is, is taking from a player who is then drafted? That exists now. You know, a kid goes into somebody's training facility, works there for – years potentially. And so there is a real investment on, on, on part of these people, but the amount of money they can end up uh, taking from these players is, um, you know, it's gross, frankly. And there are a lot of just uh, gross practices in the Dominican and, and it can feel lawless. It is baseball's wild, wild west. It is to me as somebody who covers off the field in this sport. Um, it, it is the closest thing we have to kind of moral imperatives and, uh, even at times, matters of, of, of human rights. I mean, this is really about the treatment of people in a country that is a lot poorer than the United States and how these kids fare, how they do. If they don't make it, are they getting the, the proper education? Um, it, it's it's a really heavy loaded area. And the union and the league do need to come together and find ways to improve it. Unfortunately, as is the case with almost everything in the world, not just baseball, money holds that up. It's crazy. It's a different world. I mean, then kids here, I mean, kids here meet with scouts and Todd, you know, you meet with scouts and mm -hmm. scouts talk to you and you, you know, get recruited to a college, but down there, they, they, there's just nothing. I mean, they, they get a guy who trained 
trained a guy who then likes him and then they they're like i'll train you but you got to give me whatever 20 percent, 40 percent of what you signed for and that's work i mean it's 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 some interesting stuff down there well do you know evan i mean on the international draft aspect what's being discussed behind the scenes we clearly know there is one side versus the other in that case and to take people back on a history trip when we had the last cba that was agreed to they were trying to get that done in exchange for ditching the qualifying offer. They gave themselves what I believe a July deadline and it didn't happen. So the qualifying offer remains qualifying offer, by the way, is really stupid. I don't understand the international draft part of things. So um, in terms of, you know, why there's so much for and against, but do you have context on where that's at? Yeah, I think at the moment it's quiet. So the lockout ended. Instead of settling it at the moment the lockout ended, they, they kicked the can down the road into that summer, so summer of 2022. And lo and behold, they, they couldn't come to an agreement that there's been any sort of uh, reopening of those talks since. Certainly it would come up again in the next CBA. So this deal runs through 2026. Uh, you know, it's, it, They can at any time decide we want to talk about this again. Uh, it's not common, though. It's not common that during a CBA, while it's you're kind of smack in the middle of it, uh, that you would do that. But they could if, if they wanted to. But, you know, it, it is a complex fight. Uh, a draft system kind of by default is not great for economics because you don't have teams competing. But obviously in this setting, um, there's another side of, uh, of it where when you have teams competing, a lot of ugly stuff is happening. Uh, but you, you have to figure out the dollars, and, and that's really the, the big holdup. But there are other areas, the education, what, what kind of commitment is being made there. Um, it, it, is, it is messy. The, the labor fight over it is messy, and what happens down there is messy. My last question on this, I know you talk about the DR. Have you heard of other countries uh, besides DR that have these problems going on too, or are you just strictly about the Dominican Republic? The Dominican, and, and this was backed up by uh, the executives and the agents we talked to. This is really centered in the Dominican Republic. The paperwork in Venezuela, uh, for example, is is better. Um, you know, Haiti, as I mentioned earlier, um, that that can be an issue as well. But the the, the majority or, or vast majority of age fraud um, is really centered in the Dominican, um, and that's obviously where a vast, a large, large amount of top top talent comes from. Hey, Evan, um, kind of, yeah, last thing on this, this for me is, is you're talking about age fraud and you're talking about this, you're talking about a, a worldwide draft, right? Which has been a big thing that MLB has been pushing for years. Okay. It's one of their big negotiating tactics that I, I just feel like it's such a negotiating that I don't know how serious they are about it. Right. It's like every, every time the CBA comes up, they're like, we want a worldwide draft. And the play, that's one of the things the players association has to shoot down. So they're like, oh, we'll take that off the table, but we need this, right? So, again, it, to me, it seems like, first of all, they're getting players for mostly cheap, right? MLB is getting an influx of Latin American players, and they're signed cheaper than American players most of the time, okay? Yes. There's no draft. So I, MLB, deep down to me, it doesn't seem like they really want an international draft. It's just more of a bargaining chip at this point to keep going to the union and saying, hey, Player Association, we want to, you know, and they put it out there in the papers and – and Rob Manfred does a great job of, of publicizing it. And then all of a sudden, when it comes down to it, it's always the first thing off the table. Yep, worldwide job, off the table. So is it more of just a bargaining ploy by the by the, by the the owners than a real thing they really want? You have to remember, I think I was just touching on it a bit. The MLB 
management owners will always want a system where you can remove competition. Um, and, and that is the value of a draft. And that is the reason why they're willing to get rid of the qualifying offer. There is a real economic value to going to a draft system. Um, the league, if it was, if it was about morality, if this was about doing the right thing, really on either side, then it would already be done. But it always comes down to the money and the amount of money that uh, you know, for the union, they look at the, the, the big gap between the, the U.S. amateurs and the international amateurs. Um, where, where people get really cynical is when they wonder if MLB is doing all it can to enforce its own rules. Uh, you know, we don't hear a lot about MLB catching teams for early deals. Uh, I had one person, uh, front office member in the international space, attempt to correct me in, in the story. We said it was rarely disciplined. He reached out to me afterward and said, you're wrong. It's never disciplined. Um, and so it, it makes you wonder, it, it, could MLB reasonably doing more to keep it clean? And if, if, But if it's clean and it's working, well, then that lessens the incentive for people to go, oh, they've got to change the system. This is awful. Uh, so uh, it's it's really a, a screwed up dynamic. I, I don't know how else to say it. It, it, it is perverse, and um, I, I don't see it changing anytime soon unless one of the two parties decides to come to the other and say, "Hey, we, we, we need to. We're going to change our, our previous position. We've got to do this." Um, it's it's sad it hasn't happened yet. It's actually interesting, but it is. Uh controlling regime right now that's in charge of the league so for them to just be like oh you don't want to listen to us fine let's just create some problems by not policing something i i buy that i do so it makes you're, sense you're sinister no well you know what let me let me get evan to a much more clear picture let's talk tv money with you because you've also done a fantastic job covering that this off season so where do we think we're at there and i've been utterly confused about some teams and their hesitancy, because um, then publicly, even like this weekend with the Twins, and, and Thad Levine spoke, and I think their president spoke, it doesn't sound like they're totally blaming the TV money for the lack of spending and the cutting of the payroll. So I don't know where you're at with you know witnessing certain teams that have just sat on the sidelines, the Guardians are another team, even the Rangers to an extent being quieter than usual of how that's been used as an excuse, but they're not talking too much about it. Yeah, I, it, we haven't seen teams kind of have the courage, and I, I'm, not, I'm not sure what exactly they fear in this, but they're not coming out and saying directly it is because we are unsure of our TV money. They are alluding to it. It is, it is easy to connect the dots. And this angers certainly agents I've talked to. I, I, I'm sure the union isn't happy about it um, because you know, they look at it and go, well, the owners will take any excuse they can not to spend. Um, you know, I've spent a lot of time on the RSN stuff. It's actually the next piece I'm working on. Um, it, it's a follow-up there. And it is an interesting question about the long-term outlook and how much money will be there. Because it is going to be very, very difficult to replicate the money that came in through the old cable model. The old cable model was beautiful. You, you live in New York. You are not a sports fan. You are not a Yankees fan. You're not a Mets fan. Guess what? You sign up for Time Warner Cable, you are paying for Yankees or Mets games. If we go to this world where we're away from the RSNs and the, and the old cable model, that's gone. It, it, everybody has their choice now of what to buy or not buy. Um, and so MLB was getting a lot of money via these uh, regional sports networks 
from people who didn't care about the sport. And now that's being threatened. And so the cable model is actually good for baseball. It's good for sports teams because it's, it's a commitment of upfront money. Um, I have a little bit of empathy, truly, for the position teams are in here. They don't know exactly what their TV revenue is going to be like in a few years. Everybody, Rob Manford, Tony Clark, they both say live sports value is there. The value is there. All right. But is it going to get close to the money you had in the old system? And, and that's really, truly a billion dollar question at the moment. So I think teams are right to be a little skeptical um, with their spending. The problem is we don't have access to the books. How much money are they making otherwise? You know, how much is it really eating into their margins um how much of a hit are they actually going to take this year uh you know a team like cleveland for example their deals being renegotiated how big a drop off is it are they getting 80 percent of what they would have gotten we don't know yet um whether whether the drop off actually amounts to the the caution they're showing in free agency i think it's fair to still be skeptical it is always fair to be skeptical on finances when we do not have access to the books Evan, so you're saying that the model is dead, basically. The model that got MLB to the money because of the, because of streaming, right? Because basically streaming and people now are cutting the cord and people now are just streaming whatever they want to watch. So how does MLB keep up, right? How does What's the yeah. next step for MLB to try to keep up? Is it go strictly streaming? Is it to, you know, come up with their own package where you stream baseball? I don't know. What, what, what's... What have you found that people are saying is the next step for a way to MLB to keep up with other sports? Because, listen, the NFL has a perfect model, right? They play one game a week and everyone tunes in and YouTube charges an arm and a leg for red zone and for Sunday ticket, right? NBA seems to do better nationally than MLB does, you know, just because. But what's the model? Because MLB is so regionalized. What is the model to try to recoup some of this money? The, the interesting thing is that the old model is still – desired and probably going to stick around to some degree. It's going to be hybrid. I, I think that the idea that cable is dead and, and that's, that's been out there and um, it's not quite right. Uh, you know, there are still a lot of people who sign up for linear TV and, and that model's not going away. We're, we're not going to a world where tomorrow uh, teams are not going to have the standard RSN and be available on cable. W what is going to happen is you're going to have that and maybe that gets you a little less money. Uh, or, or definitely get you a little less money. But teams are also going to be able to use their digital rights, their streaming rights. And that's where, you know, it, it gets interesting is how does MLB package that? Um, you know, do we get to a point where all the teams or a lot of the teams are available in one package that you can pay for? Uh, so that, you know, I, I'm a YouTube TV subscriber in New York. I cannot watch MLB Network, the Yankees, or the Mets. I'm a national baseball writer. It's ridiculous. But if they could get to a point where uh, they had the teams have their rights back because some of these rights have been signed away um, and they pulled them together. You know, you could sell an all package in market. I'm talking about out of market. I'm not talking about uh, MLB TV where you're watching games outside your city. I'm talking about you are in the city and you can still watch that team. Uh, but that's going to take years. And so it's going to be a hybrid for a time. And, and the thing to watch is how do those digital rights evolve? What does MLB end up doing with them? Do they sell them to an Apple? Do they sell them to a Peacock? Do they Amazon? Um, and the interesting part about this, the big market teams make a lot of money from their TV rights. They're not going to want to just say, yeah, sure, we'll jump in and split it evenly with you. No, the Yankees don't want to prop up the Rays and the Marlins anymore than they already do the revenue sharing. And so it sets up the classic fight in baseball of big market, small market over the TV rights. So it, it, it's, it's going to be a fun one for a few years, and it's going to be a real slow burn.
I mean, it just feels like MLB is always behind on certain things, and this is one of them. Whether it's blackouts, whether it's this, it just seems like they're always behind. But I mean, that's a, we could we could do hours upon hours of this just trying to figure out what the next step is. But yeah, I mean, it just feels like they're always behind. They were ahead. Remember when MLB TV first came out? They yes. were like way ahead of everybody. Now it's like, oh no, they've fallen back. Behind. And that was what twenty years ago, at least. It was a long time ago. It's, it's hard to find games. I don't feel like there's a plan. And even if there is a plan, it's confusing. Because it's at one point, Evan, and I feel like this is changing, it seemed like League was going to kind of, or at least their plan was, like you mentioned, to take over everything. And maybe they even run it, and then it just kind of gets licensed to be on another platform. Of course, you know the problem I'm going to have with that is a younger audience that's watching games digitally can only bear so much PR speak coming at them. So I do think that it is in their favor if they have someone else with rights to the games so that they don't have to worry and look behind them at you know the owner of the team or the PR at all times. Obviously, everyone has their line, but do you know what I'm saying? Like, If you have to toe the company line so much, I just feel like there will be, and there already is, an authenticity issue. You know, Like, AJ does games for Fox. Fox isn't owned by a team, so he can still go on there, and if he needs to be critical, he can be critical. We don't get that in regionals. I think that's starting to hurt the younger fan. What do you think? Yeah, the more direct the relationship is, the more cautious I think you will find announcers to be. And and that's part of the question. It's, well, what would the structure... If you get to a point where you have those rights back, and this takes years because, as we're seeing with this Diamond Sports Group and the Bally situation, you know, the years-long uh, contract. Um, so you need you need to get the rights back in your hands. And at that point, you need to agree on how many teams are going to pool together, if they're going to pool together. And then it's, well, how are you producing the games? Is, 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 it, um, is Amazon doing it? Are you doing it like you point out? Yeah, I, I think there is still ultimately some sort of relationship that exists there that if, you know, if, if AJ says something on Fox that's really, uh, really gets under Rob Manfred's skin, he, is, he has the ability to, to call up Fox, but it is uh, easier, certainly, um, to call up, say, the guy who's your direct employee at MLB Network if somebody says something at MLB, MLB Network that people don't like. So, um, yeah, I, I think a layer in between is, is healthier. Um, it's never going to be, uh, uh, you know, totally devoid of, well, there are certain things we're, we're just not going to go as hard on. They're, they're not going to do an Evandrelic-style report on the air. And, <laughs> and that's okay. That's not what people are tuning in for. Okay, since since you have the mustache and the Magnum PI, I'm wondering what your next your next work is. You say you've you've told the story of the Astros cheating. You've told the age story now. Now you're on to TV. So if you want to do a story on like I don't know 1997 Hawaii Winter League champs, I mean I know some people that were on that team. The Sharks were me and Gabe Kapler. You know, 97 Hawaii. Is there, a, is there a scandal involved? No, but I you know he has a mustache. I figured he'd fit in. He could get some short <laughs> shorts for him. Maybe a, I don't know if we can afford a Ferrari. Maybe more like a convertible bug, and you can drive around and we can talk. No, I'm I, I, I'm in because you know I was in Boston twice, but I missed the year or whatever. I don't even remember how long you were there, but but the years you were there, the years I was in Houston. So I I always heard about you and 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 heard what the Red Sox writers thought about you and covering you and all that, but I never had the AJ Pruszynski experience. So yeah, let's do a ride along. You have to get the mustache too. Let's do it. Oh, I tried the mustache. It doesn't. I, my mustache doesn't work very well. The beard works. Beard works. Mustache. Yeah. Not. Frazier could pull off the mustache. I, I, the mustache and me just don't go. But yeah, I'm in. Yeah, I was. There was three. 
it was three long, hard uh, months, Evan, in Boston, you know, <laughs> did my time. Yeah, you did. You served your time. I served my, yeah. Exactly. I got a purple heart for that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I moved away twice. I'm not moving back a third time, let me tell you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you guys are both gone for good. Yeah. Evan, awesome to see you again, man. Let's let's do it again soon. Uh, great work on the article. We thought it was important to kind of lay out for people who, you know, needed a little more explanation verbally. So appreciate you, man. See you guys. Thank you. Evan Drellick writes for The Athletic. You can check out that story. Obviously, we covered a sliver of it, but I encourage you to check it out in The Athletic and also can follow Evan at his name, at Evan Drellick with two L's, D-R-E-L-L-I-C-H. I mean, honestly, like his the book about the Astros is unbelievable. If you haven't I mean, read Evan's it, an incredible writer. If you haven't read it, it's worth, it's worth time and effort. And that's why I was wondering, what's his next book going to be about? Is he going to write about this? He's not going to tell you. Why not? He's just going to smash it in everyone's face with a little breaking news. Something's going on. I mean, he is one of the game's best and I think most underrated writers and reporters. And I can tell you the way that he's backed up in the game is there are people behind the scenes that work for teams, the league, agents, so all sides of the game, right? Who compliment him behind the scenes and basically say they can't you know, publicly, mm -hmm. but they're like, that's the guy. So just throwing that out there. He's great.